I've taught here before, um, as you guys know and maybe have heard before, um, but I really, 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 really love the chance to be doing things like this. Actually, on our like adult leader team, one of the main things I'm going to be doing is actually this kind of, I would say, once every two months or once every month and a half or so is uh, getting a chance to preach and teach you guys. Because that's, that's my passion. And um, um, it's not only just to teach students, but it's to teach students the good news of the gospel and, and things like that. Um, if you want to get your Bible out, I'll tell you where to go. Uh, we will be in First Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, it's continuing off of what John preached last, last week in First Thessalonians uh, 1, which I'll do a refresher here in a second. But before I go, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into it. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you for um, cooler weather. Lord, I thank you for being a season of the school year that's filled with excitement and um, getting students excited to uh, be a part of something and be in community with each other with homecoming. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that uh, my talk tonight is led by you, and it's your words and not mine, Lord, and that these students uh, in this room as well as the room in the back can um, really take to heart and take to mind uh, what, what you're laying on them tonight through, through John and myself. Lord, we love you th- so much, and we thank you, or we pray this all in your name. Amen. If you want to go to the next slide. So a little, a little recap. Um, so where we left off. So we're doing a, a study on First Thessalonians, um, or Thessalonians in general, uh, this semester. And the thing that John preached last, or last time was, um, well, Thessalonians as a whole is, is really one of Paul's most positive messages, uh, one of his most positive letters to any of his churches. Um, and that's due to the growth that they saw and heard um, from that church, uh, from that church group. Uh, Paul is overjoyed with their faithfulness, how they're devoted to Jesus, uh, their love for one another, you know, dedication to one another, and growth in spreading the gospel, even while being in persecution and, you know, driven to reach people. I, I, driven to reach people. And that's, you know, that's the motto of this church, and that church was doing it. And it's cool to see how we as a, as a body, as Crosspoint, do the same thing that this church did that Paul praised them about. Um, one thing I, I kind of like to say with these letters, uh, every time I open one, is this. Uh, Paul is ranting and raving about, about them, and, and he does it for other churches um, in the Bible. But I always kind of stop and ask myself the question, is would someone do the same for me? Um, because almost every first chapter that Paul starts with is a, you know, we, we, are, pray, we are praising the Lord for your work. We are, uh, we are praying for your continued growth and I would love it if someone could do that to me or would pray the same thing about me or, or say the same things about me and how they're loving God more because of the work that I'm doing or the work that God's doing through me. Um, so that's always one thing I kind of think of when we open up a, an epistle or a letter from Paul. Uh, now, the thing John spoke about last week was, and this is kind of his tag phrase, was this. The power of the gospel um, working in, uh, in a person's life cannot be ignored. Um, that's First thir- Thessalonians 1. Uh, basically this, believing in the gospel should produce a radical heart change and thus a radical life change. It can't, it can't be ignored. Um, if, if, you, if you don't see your life changing or you don't see your, your thoughts changing and your heart changing, then, then are you believing the full gospel? And that's kind of what we um, dove in last time. Um, and actually going back to the point I was making earlier um, about how I love that someone would rant and rave about me in that sort of way, um, I'm a really wordy person. I, I like things in writing, and I like writing things about people and, like, scholarship essays, and um, I love to, like, have, do, use reference letters for, for students, so my future seniors call me. Um, and that's actually, I have a really big affinity for words, so I, I always am drawn to these letters because Paul's a wordy person as well. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, before we dive into my message, though, and before we dive into the scripture, I, I want to, we're going to kind of have four groups, um, and they'll be kind of small, which is okay, but in, in these four groups, and divide yourself somewhat evenly, this is what I want to do, just a little housekeeping right now. Um, form four groups. In your group, you need to grab one whiteboard and one marker, <clears throat> and then I want you to write a word or phrase that I assigned to you, and, and I'll let you know which one I want you to have, and then you're going to write that at the top of your board. And then you're going to make it like two columns. I'll tell you what to put in each column a little bit later in my message. So if you guys want to go ahead and form four groups, um, I know these chairs don't really disconnect too well, but if you want to kind of just make four distinct groups and um, in your group, one board, one marker. There's 12? Okay. 
So, groups of three. Thank you, Van. Yeah, if you want to spread out more, that's fine. As long as, long as I can kind of stay decently close. I need four groups, guys. I need four groups. Okay. One of you has to come out, and one of you has to come out. One girl. And one of you has to come out. Four groups of three. Thank you, JJ. Okay, that means not four, that means three. Alrighty. Luke's group, can you please put going to church as your word? The phrase, words. You're the second one, serving others. JJ, you're the third one, uh, preaching the gospel. And then your last one, being morally sound. Faith, right at the top. And then you're going to make like, just basically a line down the middle for two columns. I'll let you know what those columns will be here in a second. You won't actually need the board for a little bit here. So you, if you want to put that on the ground uh, for now, after you do that, that would be great. And then two columns. The last one. It, is it not up there? Yeah, it's up there. Being morally sound. It's up there. <clears throat> and like I said, put a line down the middle, and then put your board down so I know you're good to go. So we won't need it for a bit. So Good. Put the board down so I know we're good. Thank you. All right, you can go to the next slide. So uh, here's actually our, our text. Uh, I'm going to read, up on the board is in the CSB, but it, my Bible is actually the ESV, so I'm going to go ahead and read it from the ESV. Uh, this is second th- uh, First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 10. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we, have, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of, of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any other de- or, or an attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, Though we, could have been, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately uh, desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also of our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For, for you remember, brothers, of our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we, have, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, uh, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, uh, toward you believers. <clears throat> Once again, that was from the ESV. Um, if someone wouldn't mind actually reading from the CSV just one more time so we can hear the words one more time in a little bit different light. So does anyone either have either A, a CSV, or just want to read it from the top? Duke, I know you can read. Well, how about this? One through five, six or ten. There we go. Duke's going to start one through five, and then six to ten. First word. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had, at, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation exhortation didn't come to the error of impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have 
as approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. One more verse. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. Braden. And we didn't seek glory from people either. <laughs> from you or from others, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles instead of we were gentle among you as a nurse. Nurtured here her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, yeah, gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us for you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, and how devotely, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. Thank you, gentlemen. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. So uh, a big word that a lot of my message is going to highlight is, is the word motive. Um, Paul, Paul alluded at, at their motive. It, their motive to uh, reach people was um, obviously God radically changing their hearts and and following the word of Jesus to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Um, but they also, he also highlighted motive in the sense of like, we didn't come with this motive, a, a greedy motive, or, or one that's trying to please ourselves, or things like that. So um, one, one thing that came up to, in my mind was, um, an al- they didn't have an ulterior motive. Um, and why I put all those different spellings or wrong spellings is, honestly, I tried spelling it the, right, the first time, and I'm like, I'm like, I know I spelled it wrong. I think I spelled the, the, my first one, alt, ulterior motive, and then, but the first one's the correct, an ulterior motive. Can someone tell me what an ulterior motive is? Or have you heard of that before? Well, good. I can say you learned something. An ulterior motive is one that um, you may be doing something that it looks like for one reason, but you're doing it for a different one. And usually the word ulterior is... It's not a good context. Um, you can think of it like, um, okay, so I'm, I'm part of the sports team, and it, it, I'm not doing it because I want to, like, um, like, work with my teammates or, or work toward the, the team set goals. I'm just on a sports team because I want to work out regularly, which maybe that doesn't sound like a bad thing, but I think there's always a selfish desire kind of in there. And, and the verses that got highlighted, and I'll, I'll read them, uh, myself, were kind of three through six. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, uh, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people either from you or from others. I think all those kind of touch a different idea, but all those are, are an ulterior motive for preaching God's word or, or, or being a Christian or following Christ in some way, which, you know, Paul was one of the most devout people after his conversion, but it's always, you always have to stop and think of like, are, are they really doing it for the right reason? Or people um, of faith, I, I, I feel like they always talk about how um, they're always honest with their hearts. Um, they always say like, you know, they're happy to be here and happy to be preaching and, and have been studying God's word, but I love how they're honest and saying, like, they'll lay out their sin uh, for you guys. And, well, having an ulterior motive could be sin at times, and that's kind of what we'll, we'll, we'll dissect um, today. That first one, um, intent to deceive. That's an ulterior motive because it's, you know, lying. It's, it's trying to say something and then for you to believe something different. That's, that's not true. Um, please, people. I think that's a, that's a desire almost of all of us is to be, you know, um, liked by others or, or a people pleaser, if you've heard of that phrase before. Flattering speech. If you're a person who likes to talk, if you're a person who um, wants to show your intelligence through word of mouth, that can be an ulterior motive. Greedy motives. I think that's a, kind of a big category, but just general greed and self-gain. Um, or, and then obviously glory from people. Once again, that, that kind of praise is, could be an ulterior motive for what Paul was doing and what his what his followers were doing or what the disciples of Christ were doing. So ulterior motives is kind of what we're going to go through. Go ahead, next slide. Or I, I think the Greek kind of says it a little bit better. There's, there's three words that I, I picked out that um, 
in the Greek have a little bit more meaning. The first one is, and please don't laugh if I butcher it, or I guess go ahead, depending on how bad I do it. Uh, Acatharsia. Yes, I believe that's how. Acatharsia. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, you're fine. It, I had, I, so I literally looked up a pronunciation. Um, there's a kind of a side note. The, um, there's a group called Logos, and Logos, like Bible group, they, they do a lot of biblical analysis, cross-references, and they have videos on YouTube of how to pronounce some of these. And I looked at the first one, I just can't remember exactly. They say it a lot more eloquently. But basically it means this. It's in a moral sense, it, it means to be impure, basically lustful, luxurious, uh, prolific at living, or that last one, impure motives. It's kind of what that word means. Second one, dolos. I can say that one a little bit easier. It just means trickery or to bait somebody. And the last one, uh, phenolexia, and I know I'm saying that one right, is greediness, but it's more than just a covetous for money, I would say. A theologian um, I looked up actually kind of put it this way. Um, a cursed loving of having. Basically, you love to have. You love to, to possess things that maybe aren't yours at that time. Uh, which will pursue its own interests with complete disregard for the rights of others and even for the uh, considerations of common humanity. Based on what I know of the gospel, that doesn't sound like the gospel. That doesn't sound like uh, the inclusion of every nation and every tongue if we're looking to gain from it in some sort of way. The joy in the gospel, yes, that should be our joy. Br- bringing people to Christ, yes, that's, we should find great joy in it, but what this is kind of diving into is, is seeing, like, what's your motive for the gospel? Or, or what's, your, what's your motive for being a, a Christian? Because I think at times um, that motive can be thrown off. And it's, there's kind of like a gray area of, okay, I, I may be serving others. What's the right motive? What's the wrong motive? Is there a wrong motive? And that's what we're going to kind of get into. On your whiteboard. Here's what I want you to do. So on one column, I want that one of your columns to be the, the phrase biblical motives. And the other col- column to be ulterior motives. Or you can think of it as improper motives. And I want you to write down some common motives that, that fit in each category for that phrase or, or uh, topic you were given. If for your, any of your biblical ones, if you want to try to find some scripture or like an example that you know of that fits a biblical motive of serving others, then, then do that. <clears throat> so I'll give you guys some time to write, and then we'll share here in a second. Huh? They're writing like, they're writing motives for like, um, so like serving others. What's the biblical motive for serving others? But then what, what are some of the reasons why my, can you go get some for me? Yeah. There's something in the oven. Can you bring that to me? Thank you. Uh, it'll be warm. So once again, what's the, what's the proper biblical motive for whatever your phrase is, for serving others, for going to church, for, what was that one you had? One was preaching the gospel. Being morally sound. Okay, what's, the, what's the biblical motives for being morally sound? What's the, what's the wrong motives for being morally sound? And if you're stuck, call me over. I, I can help you out. Say so maybe try to get uh, one or two more things on there, and then we'll... When your, group, when your group is at a good point, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your board, like, in front of the stage but so people can see it. Okay, and I'll take the marker back, too. Yep, displaying your boards. I'll jump down so we can kind of see them all. Thank you. Huh? I mean, you can't really hang it. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I'm afraid it's almost too far away. I want to be able to see them all at the same time. Not that you wouldn't be a good model, man.
say, like I said, uh, maybe one final thing on there, and then if you want to bring it up, we can kind of go through them. Once again, I will take the marker back. Luca. Dang it. These lights are throwing me off. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty good in baseball. Going one for three is pretty good. All right, I got all four up here. Let's let's just take a second to kind of go through them, and I'll see if I want you to expand on it a little bit more. Okay, going from we'll go from left to right. So being morally sound, um, or doing thing, doing the right thing for biblical guys, wrote going to church, um, going sin no more, and reading the Bible. What do you mean by like the go and sin no more one? Like, why is that in quotes? From who? God. Frequently. It's like, or Jesus says it too. It's, it's like, okay, you've been restored, but then he always adds in, go and sin no more. And I think for us, being morally sound is not sinning. I, I, I don't think that's too separate. Um, you could say morality is, you know, a, a cultural thing where, um, what's moral one year maybe is immoral the next, or think about like how language changes. I think that's kind of into it. But in our sense of mor- morality as Christians, going and saying no more is, is kind of the heart of that, I would say. For ulterior, we put don't get in trouble, uh, reading because you're told not, told not to because you want to, reading because you're told to not. Say that again, sorry. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. I, yeah, I misread that really bad. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to explain the, explain the second one. So don't get in trouble. So, like, go and sin no more is, like, don't get in trouble. So, like, don't sin as much as possible. But why why would not getting in trouble be an ulterior motive? Because you would sin less. No, no. Why why is that motive? Why is that mentality of oh I just don't want to get in trouble? Like why is that like the wrong motive to have? Because bad things happen when you get in trouble. Never mind. You're not understanding my question, Zach. You're doing it to avoid. You're doing it to avoid getting in trouble instead of learning about it and reading and paying attention. He's just doing it to not get in trouble. Yeah. He's focused on that and not focused on anything else about the book. Sure, sure. Or I kind of I can see it as like if you're if you're focused on not just or trying not to get in trouble, you're not focusing on what you could be doing better instead. You're just really worried about I don't get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble, and maybe that's not the right motive to have. Let's move on to the next one: preaching the gospel. Well, the first thing basically is the the title. Um, <laughs> Um, in the biblical mode, and, and that's absolutely right, to spread the word, of, spread the word to others, uh, carry out God's will, to please God, to help others. You want to explain the last one, to, to help others? Because, it, like, in Bible, you want to help, like, you want to help your, like, faith, but you also want to help others while you're getting closer to God. How are you helping others by preaching the gospel to them? That they can get the word. Then get saved. I, I mean, if, if, if believing in the gospel is, is what saves you, then, my gosh, yes, we are, we are greatly helping others. Now, let's look at the other ones. Fit in to feel better about yourself, to have people notice you, to make it look like you're actually a believer. Ooh, I like, I like that last one. How about to fit in? What do you mean by that? Like, who, who are we fitting in with? If a group in your like school or your friends are going to church and learning about God, but maybe you don't believe they could be going just to fit in with their friends even though they still don't believe in God. 
Yeah, exactly. With, with with any with anything that we get involved in, maybe it's we're just doing it to fit in or go with the crowd. Well, even even in the 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 body of of the church, it's okay. All my friends have have done this, so I guess I'll do it too. And you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, or I don't want to like put myself out there and be like being different. So I'll just kind of do it or or try to at least. Um, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Serving others. Let's go here. Spreading the gospel. So that fits in exactly with what they said. Showing God's love. Through, through you when serving, okay? And ulterior, getting praise for yourself, making yourself look, making yourself look like the, what's that other one? Hero, Hero instead of God. And then because everyone else is doing it, sure. Um, out of all four of these, I think this is the, the, the hardest one to, to rationalize. This is the hardest one to, to deal with. What is that? There's five, what's the other one? There's four. No, no, no. The, the, this four. I think I think serving others because if you think about like what society tells us, it, it's good to serve others. Um, you think about like all the charitable work that's done, especially in our school district with like with uh, St. Jude. It's great to serve others, and and I'm I'm at the front of that too. I, I'm I'm a big supporter of those sort of things. But I think if there's one that's easiest to be have other motives for, it's this one, especially the one you said, praise for yourself, and then. Um, because everyone else is doing it as well. It's kind of that, that pressure of, well, they gave money, so sh- I guess I should give money. Or um, the praise for yourself, too, depending on if you're more behind the scenes or you're up in front and, and showing people that, hey, I did this thing, then for sure, that, that could definitely boost you up in your pride. Last one, going to church. Biblical motives, learn about God, love others. Ulterior motives, food and drink. The, f- the church does feed us well, I would say. Some pizza up here. Um, and then, Pleasing others as well. Um, let's see. What do you guys mean by love others? For the biblical motives. Like, how does going to church love others in that sort of way? When you go to church, you connect with other people, and you can uh, have a good connection with them, and like a <laughs> no, for sure. L- look at look at Jesus' model of of um, like feeling God's presence or, or being around God. He did it with twelve others, and and then that group expanded, expanded, expanded. What's Paul doing? He's w- writing a letter to a church, a group of people who's following God's word, and that's a buildup of community. That's a buildup of love and and all that. So exactly, um, <laughs> food and drink, yeah. Especially when we celebrated fifteen years, that was a that was a good day of fried chicken, for sure. But Pleasing others, I, I went to that group and, and talked to them about this, especially with you guys, like going to church because your parents do, or um, maybe your, your parents not force you to, but um, give you that choice, or kind of give you that choice, but always nudge you to, to basically do it, because you don't want to feel ostracized, you don't want to be not a family member, or, or be the, the, the odd duck because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. I think, I think it's all true. So all these motives, biblical or, or ulterior, or, or other type of motives. I think the problem is, can you go to the next slide, please? So with these motives, it actually brings up the idea of purity. Um, and I know purity is usually talked about in, um, in groups like this, where it's talked about like the context of our body, um, the things we do, the things we say, the things we think about, the things we consume, even, and, and so on. You know, you, you think about like lust, you think about... Um, Glut, gluttony would kind of fit in there. Um, things we think about, impure thoughts, would kind of fit in that in in that category. But I think the things we motivate us can be impure as well. Um, I think of it like kind of like this. So we live in a culture that values finding a motivation. Like the, the, we we have shifted in 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 culture, especially like the workplace, to you know don't just do something because because you're getting paid to do it, or or don't just don't get involved in something that you don't enjoy doing. You know, go find your passion and, and be motivated to do the work. And yes, hopefully you get paid for it or hopefully you find a good career in it. But I see that as a huge cultural shift from years ago where it's like, I have to work because I have to provide for my family. Yes, that's still true. But I think we're, we're, we're more leaning into our motivations for, no, I want to get in this career field because I'm actually motivated to do it, not because it just it pays well or something like that. You know, as a teacher, I have the daily and long-term task of, trying to motivate students or, or, or trying to motivate students to, to do things that e- they either A, don't want to do, or B, 
um, don't realize that they enjoy doing yet, or they, they think is hard. So motivating and, and finding motives is, is kind of a, a thing I think about quite a bit. Even for me, you know, I joke about that teachers do not make a lot of money. A lot of teachers kind of make that joke or not make that joke because it's, it is very serious in some places in the nation. Um, but if I'm honest, money is still a motivation for me to do my job, it, it, you know, and to fit my standard of living uh, in that regard. Um, even even today, so I'm I'm in charge of class games. You'll see them tomorrow. Um, I've I've put in. I feel like a lot of hours for it, but that's something I'm getting a, a stipend for as well as, as as handling that that responsibility. So, you know, if, if I'm honest, money is a motivation. Is that necessarily bad? No, because it, it depends on what I'm doing with that money. That's what could make it good or bad. I would say, um, but we can have impure motives, and if we have impure motives, well. Is that what God wants? We'll keep thinking on that. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Title this 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 presentation is the purity of the message and, and the messenger. Here's kind of my my big idea. In terms of the gospel, in terms of living it and preaching it, the message of the gospel becomes tarnished or limited when the one who claims to live by it lives by it with ulterior motives or only lives by a gospel that is incomplete and thus is impure. Um, think about the, the church we just read about, or we are reading about in this, in this book. The results seen in Thessalonica, um, the growth in that church, the faithfulness of the people that Paul's talked about and will continue to talk about through this chapter, wouldn't have happened if Paul and his people preached an impure message or with an impure heart, or, or, or came at it with, with an impurity of, okay, we're only doing this because uh, we're going to be boosted in power, or we're only doing this because um, we're, we're trying to be morally sound, maybe. That's not really what the gospel's about. The, whole, the entirety of the gospel is what needs to be preached, and that's what makes it pure. I kind of think of it like this. The closest thing we got to I don't want to say perfection in this town, but a breakfast pizza from Casey's. I could not believe when I moved here a few years ago that so many people in this town loved Casey's pizza because I was like, I'm like, Casey's pizza? I remember that from years ago, and it was terrible. And they've, they've changed from the 10 years ago. I ate it um, way long ago. But I've, I've come to appreciate a good breakfast pizza. So think about it like this. This breakfast pizza is the entirety of, of God's message. The entirety of the gospel laid out for us to consume, to, to tell the others, to share with others. But I think this is what happens. You want a piece? The whole piece? Or just, just a little bit? I think this is what sometimes happens. You take whatever piece you want, you go, and you'll, you'll take that in your life and be like, okay, this part of the gospel fits with me, or, or this part of the Bible fits with my motives. So I'm going to be a Christian. I'm, I'm going to go live this way, take the, the part that I need, take the, take the God's instruction that I need, and then go live my life, and I'll be a Christian. So, so maybe it's a whole piece for some people. You good? You want some? Now, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you only need a little bit less. There you go. Maybe you just need, maybe you just need a topping. Maybe, maybe you just need a little sprinkling uh, of Jesus because um, your motives are, are not centered in God. Your motives, are ce- your motives are centered in something else. Maybe it's to boost yourself up or maybe to be a good person is why you follow. So you take the little bits of the gospel and little bits of the Bible that fit that and you kind of ignore everything else and then you don't give people a full glimpse of the glory of God. How about here? You want some? You just get a sniff. Get a good sniff. Maybe, maybe it's that small. Maybe, maybe you've heard inklings of, of, of God and Christianity, or, or maybe, maybe you've consumed it before, and you can remember what it's like, but then you kind of push it all aside. Maybe on the outside you still are a Christian. Um, you still have some motives for going to church. Maybe it's because your family makes you, or anything's we set up there. But you're not giving people this whole the glory of God. You know, maybe, maybe you're two slices. You can get one to Luca. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're willing to serve others, you, you, you can get one to Luca. Maybe you're a little bit more. 
maybe, you know, you're just the crust. Delicious. I'll eat that piece. I'm not going to give that to anybody. I could, I could dissect this any other way. I could give you the, the middle. I could give you just the outside, just the cheese, and so on. But I think this is kind of what we do. I wrote it a little bit better than my slide. Here's what happens. I should probably finish chewing. A little intermission. Yes, I will share some more of this a little bit later. Maybe, if you're good. Look at that. Mm. <clears throat> All right. All right, bring it back, bring it back. He, so to fit the big idea, what part of the fallen condition, what part of, of Genesis, what part of our, our sin nature does this touch on? It touches on this. We take what God has created and told us, and we morph it, we mold it, and we cut it down to fit our selfish desires, to fit our motives for doing anything. People may get glimpses, glimpses of God's character and, pe- um, and of glimpses of God's character and God's people, the church, but it's an incomplete and fractured message devoid of the fullness of God, which if God is love, it's devoid of love. You know, when, when you only take samples of the gospel and fit that to be your means of, of life or, or fit that to fit, or take that and fit that to your ideology of the world, your worldview, or anything like that. You're, you're preaching an impure gospel. You're, you're living a, an impure way that isn't matching what a biblical motivation should be. We're thinking about it like this. I, another way I, I kind of approached it was like this. I think we all know people in our lives that um, we view them one way, for however many years, and then like a bombshell comes out about them, and we totally change our perspective on who they are and the things they've done in their life. In culture today, think about it like this. Think about all the people in the news that we've had one idea of, and then a bombshell like sexual assault, rape, cheating, lying, and more and more and more sin comes up and changes their entire message and persona. When people kind of figure out our other motives for doing things, and especially with, with what we believe, I think that's what can happen from, from someone trying to f- who's followed that person. Like, think about if Dave Steinbeck, who's pre- preached at this church for, man, how long? 12 years? Since the beginning? If that whole time he, he ran like a drug trade or something and, and uses church a, as, a, as a means of, like, distribution... Well, could, could we, could, if we think back to all of his messages, could we think about did he care? Or was he just using this for his own, his own needs or his own means or his own motives? I think that would definitely radically change certain things. What's kind of really funny, though, is the crazy thing is, is that God is still going to use impure people and our impurities of, of how we preach and how we say things to still get his message out. That's been God's plan since the beginning is to use people to spread his message. Yes, Jesus came down and told us how to spread it and, and modeled it for us, but since the very beginning, he's, he's using our, our limitedness and, and, and our sin nature to, to still push the good news out and understanding. He's gonna, he might take our ulterior motives and use it for his good. He, he absolutely will. Think about, uh, if you were here last week, you heard about John um, get preached the gospel by a, a prison guard. And John said the, the prison guard preached it in a really, you know, chopped up or in, incomplete way, but that's what got John thinking about it. God will still use our motives, but how do we get to be more of a, of a biblical motive for, for being a Christian or for, or for following his word? Go ahead and go to the next slide. I think with any of the things we wrote, I think this can happen. There's a kind of a motivational gray area, uh, especially, I would say, with the serving others. That, that's kind of the big one I always think of. <clears throat> our motivations, our desires, and the idea of, well, what is in this for me um, can be a gray area when it comes to things in your faith. Because if I'm honest, like, the mentality of what's in it for me when, like, preaching tonight, yeah, that, that comes up. 
of, oh, yeah, what's in for me? Like, if I'm going to sacrifice this time prepping and, and doing this, well, what's in for me in the end? So how do we, how do we take what we think is an ulterior motive and that may be good or bad and align it back to Jesus' message? Because I think there is a lot of gray area of, of doing something for a motive that maybe is not what God intended for us, especially with the serving others one. And actually, kind of here's my big one for me. So um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher since junior year of high school. I became a Christian my sophomore year of high school. Um, as I grew up in my faith, as I was, was raised in um, a group kind of like this, um, wasn't really part of the church, but definitely had a big impact on my life. Um, I knew I wanted to get into teaching, but also I wanted to get into teaching because it gives me a platform to reach students because I, I like the student, high school student group is really specifically. I like to see your growth and not just, not just your intelligence, not just your academics, not your successes on the sports field, but you're, you knowing God. Like that, that's the big motiv- motivation for me. But as I go through my classes or as, as I went through college and as I'm here today, I always have that ulterior motive in my mind of, of like, how does this boost me as an educator? How does being part of hype boost me as an educator? Because my evaluation is extensive, and I can use things I do at hype as part of my evaluation, and I and I have, and I don't I don't have shame in that because it it does fit a a part of being a good educator is you know being part of the community or um, I would say I wouldn't say being vulnerable with kids but but making connections with you guys and. I would hopefully you've you've had a chance to connect with me in some sort of way over the past two-ish years, um, but if I'm honest, part sometimes or some of the reasons why I'm I'm coming here is, is because my first thought is not I'm coming here because I want you to to love God more and I want you to to see the good news He has for you or the gospel, but sometimes I'm coming here because my first motivation is, well I made a commitment to John and um, I'm using this for my evaluation. I'm going to take a picture, I'm going to take a picture, I'm done. Or I, I don't need to do anything else other than the minimum because that's going to fit my motivation, that's going to fit my motive of being in this church or being part of this group or being around you guys or having conversations with you because I want you to see me as a cool teacher who knows things about Jesus, which is true. I, I want you to know that I know things about Jesus and you could talk to me about that. But if I'm just leaving it there, I don't think that's the right motivation for me being here. And if, I, and if I'm even more honest with myself, if that ever became my one solo motivation, that's not fair for you guys for me to be an adult leader. That, that's how serious I think we have to take our motivations at times, where if we are doing something for the wrong reasons, I think that it should weigh on us to, to axe it and, and get rid of it and, and repent of it. Now, I've, I've never gotten close to, to that as, as being an adult leader here, but if it came to that, if, if, if my motivations do not line up with God's motivations or what, what should be mine, because I'm a Christian or I, I follow Christ, that's where the problem exists, or the, the big problem is, exists. That's just one area of my life where I have an ulterior motive um, that, I, that I battle with, and um, especially in seasons of busyness like homecoming and things like that, but... And I think we all kind of have one for why we take a class or why we join a group or maybe why we're even here. We may have an ulterior motive for being here that's not Christ first or that's not trying to learn and understand who God is. Go ahead and go to the next slide. We have these motivations. We have ones that maybe already are biblical. And we certainly have ones that maybe are on the more selfish side of things, or, or in that gray area of, okay, I, I, I like serving others, and yes, it does make me feel good, but is that wrong? Well, I, I think one thing we can, we can do, and this is kind of what I'm going to leave you with, is how can we check and see if our motivations are biblically aligned? Um, now, these are only, you know, it's not a, this is not a five-step help program or anything like that. I think for, for different motivations we have, different areas of our life, um, these one through five hit, hit us differently, but I'll, I'll kind of go through them and explain what I mean. Number one, understand and not just know the message of Jesus and the reasons why his disciples preached and believed in it. You know, it first, first off, if you don't know what biblical motivations are, learn about them. What does the Bible say about 
um, being morally sound or, or being moral in that sense. What does the Bible say about preaching the gospel or, or, or living a life that, um, that does that? What does the Bible say about loving others or serving others? You know, commonly I think we get chucked in or um, we fit the idea in culture of, yeah, it's good to serve others, but I think the way we serve others should look different than the way others serve others who aren't a Christian, if, if I'm totally honest. You know, all the things I do for, or all the things I'm a part of for, like, Fight for Life, yes, it's, it's all great and fine and dandy, but I think the way I should do that should look different than others who don't know Christ, if I'm being totally honest. And if you don't know what those are, read, study, and not just understand, or, and not just, um, not just know, but fully understand. You know, some of the things that maybe were brought up, maybe you didn't understand. Well, if you don't understand it, there it is. Find a leader. Hit up John. Instagram him. Tweet at him. Do whatever. And he'll help you understand. And not just know. Not just know the stories, but understand the stories behind them. Second thing, pray. If you don't understand the first time, pray that you will. Pray that God gives you a heart and a mind and a spirit that shifts towards worship. That shifts towards biblical motivations for, for doing things. Maybe you're number three. If you find an area where you see no biblical motivation, cut it. Then repent and turn back towards Christ. If you really find an area where, man, I, I have no, no gospel-driven reason for doing that thing, cut it. it, it, it that's, that's wasting your energy. That, that's, um, yes, God may still be able to use it or, or, or teach you something through it, but if you really want to change your alignment— repent, run, run away from it and toward, turn towards God and God can, will grant you or will, will show you if you're earnestly looking and, and honestly looking what should be your motivation now. Number four, and I love this one, stop asking the question of how can I fit the gospel into what I am doing and instead change, and instead change it to what can I do for the message of the gospel? Don't just take pieces of the pizza. Don't just take bits and pieces of the Bible and say, oh, well, I, I like the idea of um, God is love, but I don't like the idea of him being really just because that's mean, for example. Or, oh, I, I can get behind the idea of um, um, the idea of marriage and two becoming one, but I can't get behind the idea of, of um, that only being restricted to a husband and a wife or, or things like that. Don't, don't just take bits and pieces don't, don't take the gospel and fit it into areas of your life that really are just selfishness and that put on a persona of, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, and as, you, you know, as people think, oh, yeah, you're a Christian? Well, I guess that's what Christianity is about then. Not really. If, if you're not hitting it at, from a perspective of how can I work in the gospel and not how can the gospel work in me, which, yes, the gospel does work in you a thousand times through, but that shift in mindset will lead you toward biblical motivations. And number five, this is kind of just a, a, a process in the end. Discern your motivations. Fight temptation. Seek forgiveness from others. Because if these motivations do come up and, you know, if, you, if it's weighing on your heart that like, man, I'm only doing this for the, I'm, I've been doing this for the wrong reasons, go tell that person or, or people that that's effective and seek forgiveness in that. And also as well, Forgive the people who reveal their impure motivations, like, that involve you. Because that's where people can fully see the gospel as well. You know, it's, it, it hurts, or it, it, this is something I've kind of battled with, with especially with people kind of coming out and um, being found for being, you know, not good people. The response of, like, the, the Christian group is, um, sometimes we, we hide, sometimes we're in the forefront, but, but kind of like this. We see the full gospel, we see the full God's restoration and redemption. When someone comes toward us, tells us of their wrongdoing, and, and earnestly and honestly seeks forgiveness, and we give it to them. We, we, we lovingly accept them. You know, not, not the idea of, oh, um, like some people forgive but don't forget. No, I, I think it, it tells us to forgive and forget. When, and when they mess up again, well, guess what? Do the same thing again if they're earnestly and honestly coming for forgiveness again. And if they're not, well, then go and tell them they should be. Because if their motivations shift, 
then remind them that they, that they should shift toward a biblical sense. That last one, I, I think that kind of fits any of us. A constant discernment of why am I doing the things I'm doing? Is it lining up with God? Yes or no? Or, okay, I'm doing this thing, but I'm, but I'm tempted to not to. Or, or I am tempted to, to walk away from it. Fight that temptation, um, if, if that's you. Seek forgiveness if, if you realize, okay, I've only become into church because my parents have told me. Well, then tell them that. And seek forgiveness in that, in that way. And once again, if, if people say the same things to you, if someone reveals your ulterior motive for, yeah, I'm only part of the volleyball team because of this reason, or I'm only part of this thing, or I only, I mean, hopefully it wouldn't come to this, or I only hang out with you because of this, then be ready to forgive them as well and, and point them to the Bible and, and what proper motivation should be as well. Thank you guys for listening to my message. Um, motivation is a huge thing, I, I think, on as a teacher um, and also just as a believer myself because it's so easy to, to get in that gray area and think, is this what God wants me to do? God will use it. God, God truly will, whether we ask him to or not, but we should ask him to. You know, maybe some of the motivations you're thinking about, you're, you're not sure if they're good or right or wrong. Well, ask God. Ask him to make it, make it right. Um, but if it's something that's totally wrong, then once again, cut it, walk away from it, and repent and believe daily, daily. It's a daily thing. It, it's, not a, it's not a once-off where it's like, okay, I repent and believe once. I, I'm, I'm saved. Okay? But that, I think it's a daily thing because of our, of our sin nature and, and how easy it is for us to be selfish or think, what's in this for me? Or what can, how can I benefit from it? Once again, thank you guys for listening to my message. I'm going to go ahead and pray and get us out of here. Once again, if you like a piece of pizza, you can take one um, after, after I pray. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, giving me the motivation to be a teacher um, way, way back when. God, I, I thank you for revealing um, over this past few years areas of where my motivation doesn't line up with um, the real motivation I should be for teaching, and that's for, for, for reaching students for showing him um, your love, for showing him the gospel and, and representing that through words and, and actions inside and outside the classroom. God, thank you for a church and a community that lo- allows me to do this as well. God, I pray that you weigh in our hearts what our motivations are for, um, preaching a me- for being a messenger or preaching your message. Because if, if our motivations are impure, we're preaching a message that's not pure. Yes, you use it, and, and praise God that you use our imperfections for your glory. But God, we, we pray that we are more biblically aligned with you. Because in, in doing that, we, we, the world can see the, more, the fullness of you more, the love that you have for everybody more, and we ourselves can grow like the church that we read about um, or we are reading about this semester. God, shifts our, shift our eyes, shift our mind, shift our heart and our motivations toward you and what you have for us. Let's see the, let's appreciate the entirety of the gospel and not just sprinklings and toppings and, and pieces of it to, to fit our selfish needs. God, remind us of this tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. God, we love you so much. We pray this all in your name. Amen.